You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. You're listening to The, the Weekly, Weekly Ponder. Ponder. I'm Nagina Pierzad, and I'm an opinion columnist for the Daily Emerald newspaper here on campus. And I'm Tanner Owens, the current opinion editor. And sadly, this is our last podcast for my Weekly Ponder column um, with Tanner's commentary on it. And our last week as being a part of the Emerald just in general. How do you feel about that, Tanner? Uh, Leaving the Emerald is going to be sad. Leaving some of my friends here at the university is going to be sad. But I am definitely glad I'm a senior this year. I've put my four years of work in and I am ready to be out in the world. Same here. I totally agree. I feel like my attitude towards graduating has been very bipolar. Like sometimes I'm really happy about going. (laughs) Sometimes I'm just so upset because I'm going to miss everybody. Um, But something else that has been pretty bipolar lately has been the weather. It's been scorching outside the past couple of days. Well into the 90s, late, like, Later half of the night. Yeah, like 94, 95. <laughs> yeah, I think it even crazy. got up to like 98 was the high on one of the days this weekend. I literally just st- like stood outside and it felt like I was walking into a heater or something. It was crazy. I think the worst part about the heat is at night when you're trying to sleep. Oh my gosh, it's the worst. And you open all the windows and you have all the fans blowing on you and you still wake up sweaty like four or five times in the night. That's the worst part of the heat. It totally is. I, but I feel like the heat is also kind of uniting everybody. If you look on like social media, for example, everybody's tweets are about it or on Snapchat on the campus story. It's everybody trying to deal with the heat. It's pretty great. I've seen some funny ways of people trying to cope with um, the high temperatures. Yeah, I think it's supposed to cool down towards the end of this week, though. I think it's supposed to get cloudier and like back into the 70s range, which is going to be good for those people who still have to get a couple finals done and want to do some studying and a comfortable EMU instead of a scorching EMU. Exactly. It looks really nice. My only concern, though, is Sunday and Monday are graduation days here on campus, and the forecast says that Monday could be rainy. Yeah. That sounds horrible. I've been to one graduation here where it was rainy, and it was horrible. Nobody was prepared. Everybody's gowns and caps just yeah, they're like soggy. Not waterproof. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> I really hope it doesn't rain on Monday. It's going to be horrible. Uh, but you never know with Eugene weather. Um, but I know what everybody will be wishing for, right? It's clear skies for graduation day. <laughs> um, another team or a team on campus who um, was probably wishing for the same thing for the past couple of weeks <laughs> are members of the men's golf team who won the NCAA championship title on June 1st. And it's the first time ever for the UO men's golf program to win the title. Um, and again, it was all thanks to Solman Raza. Yes, which, who we talked about last week. Mm-hmm, exactly. So that was for the semifinal matchup. And then they played the number one seed, Texas. Um, Solman was up against Taylor Funk um, in the last sort of duel off <laughs> of the match. And the 18-hole series that they usually do didn't cut it. They had to go into a three-hole sudden death playoff. How intense does that sound for golf? <laughs> I know. That is that is always the most exciting part of golf, and they've got to go into the playoff. Oh, it's great. I loved it. It just it didn't seem like a golf match anymore. After watching the footage, Like the crowd was all excited and, rambuctu- and rambunctious when they won. All of Solman's teammates just like jumped on him as if it was like a football game or a soccer game. It was so cool to see like how excited everybody was. Yeah, I mean, having the home course in Eugene like probably really pumped up all the fans and really made it like 
a huge environment for all these kids and like what an experience it had to be for these guys to win Oregon's first championship in golf like that's so awesome oh totally it'll be exciting to see what they do next year and I think people might start like keeping up with golf more I, I don't know a lot of people who like avidly watch golf unless they like know somebody on the team or something so good for them they're like bringing some more like recognition to U of O which is cool in a different context you know away yeah. from basketball away from football that kind of stuff, track. Well, that's what I thought was funny on Twitter. Everybody's like, yeah, we're a golf school. Like, <laughs> we're not just a football school. We're a golf school. Yeah, we do it all. <laughs> but yeah, we've done great in so many sports this year. Softball, basketball, mm-hmm. golf now. Like, that's so cool. It's really cool for us. Um, but sadly, one sports legend who um, he would probably be really hard to tackle compared to Solomon if he were still alive mm-hmm. or like back in the day when in, in his, his prime. prime. Yeah. <laughs> So Muhammad Ali sadly passed away on Friday, June 3rd at the age of 74. Um, It was from a septic shock um, that he experienced while being treated for a respiratory problem. And I know he was also um, diagnosed with Parkinson's disease a couple um, decades ago. So sadly, he died. um, But Hollywood, the rest of the world, everybody has been commemorating him in some way, um, which has been really nice to see and just... I never, I've always been a fan of Muhammad Ali just because of like, you know, how well known he the is. Hype. Exactly. But I never knew just like how much like humanitarian work he did or mm-hmm. like how much he did for the civil rights movement. Like, I, I feel like it's not talked about that much. Um, but it was really interesting reading about that and how he even got the Presidential Medal of Freedom Award in 2005 by George W. Bush. Um, so, yeah, we, we lost a great one. Um, he even said it himself. It's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. So the man definitely had confidence about <laughs> himself. Um, everybody knows like famous quotes by him, you know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee and all that stuff. And he called himself the greatest. Like that's confidence right there. <laughs> um, so some noteworthy words about him came from people like President Obama, even J.K. Rowling um, and Michael Jordan. Um, President Obama tweeted on June 4th, he shook up the world and the world's better for it. And I think that's exactly, you know, that's perfect, a perfect embodiment of him. Oh, yeah. Um, He is a descendant or he was a descendant of slaves from um, the South. And he was named Cassius Clay upon like being born. It was also his father's name. And that's when he, what he changed to Muhammad Ali when he joined the Nation of Islam, which I thought was really cool because that was a really powerful black Islamic movement back in the day. He even resisted going into like the Vietnam draft. Yeah. Saying like, why would I go, you know, kill these innocent people when black people in America are still treated like inhuman, you know? So he had a lot of opinions about what was happening in the world. Which he's taken shit for and also Mm -hmm. been able to defend it and put even more of a spotlight for a lot of issues. Exactly. Uh, Michael Jordan said he was bigger than sports and larger than life and he was the greatest and he was right. So poetic. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I really liked what J.K. Rowling tweeted um, over the last week. All she said simply was, unsurprisingly, he said it best himself. And she tweeted a screenshot of what... Uh, Muhammad Ali wrote about how he wants to be remembered as a person and his last line my favorite so he goes into how like he wants to be known as like a heavyweight title a three-time heavyweight title winner Um, he wants to be known as like somebody who was very funny he treated everybody right Um, he stood up for his beliefs Um, he had a strong and deep faith and love for Islam which was also really powerful 
Um, he also spoke up recently about like the terrorist attacks and how that is un-Islamic, and so that's all relevant. And then he ends it with, and I wouldn't even mind if folks forgot how pretty I was. <laughs> like, how great is yeah, that? Like, perfect little ending. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and that was written in his 2004 memoir, The Soul of a Butterfly. Um, but yeah, so President Obama, he um, was at the funeral for Muhammad Ali on Saturday um, with Michelle. And that was really sad to see and hear about just because of um, how shaken the world was. Um, but yeah, so that was that was an unfortunate experience that the world had to go through. But how about athletes in the world be more like Muhammad Ali and less like somebody named Brock Allen Turner? Can you tell us who Brock Allen Turner is, Tanner? Um, as of right now... Seems like public enemy number one mm-hmm. because he seems to be getting off pretty unscathed for some terrible crimes he has committed. Um, it's kind of an interesting story. Definitely some some politics maybe I want to say are happening. Some prosecutors are thinking that they want to they wanted to get him to spend some more time in prison because he pretty much he was found behind a dumpster sexually assaulting an unconscious woman and he got taken in and he got went through trial went through everything kind of and he only got six months in prison because the judge i forget exactly the judge's words but it was something along the lines of he didn't want it to mess his life up Mm -hmm. or ruin his life which have a severe impact on him yeah yeah so i just think he's kind of getting some some extra treatment that other people might have not gotten in the same situation it's very it's a very sketchy story right now. Yeah, so it all started last January. I think it was MLK weekend. I think it was during that time. Um, like Tanner said, a woman was sexually assaulted behind a dumpster at Stanford University um, while being unconscious. She was completely intoxicated. Um, she doesn't remember anything that happened. All she remembers is going to this party with her younger sister who she was visiting and then waking up the next day in the hospital with all these tests going on and like things in her hair and she's just like wondering what was happening um and so the man who committed the crime was a former stanford swimmer um as tanner said brock allen turner he was the one who committed the crime so what happened was he committed the crime he was tackled by two graduate students on the scene there were two swedish um, grad students um, at stanford he was then arrested he was dropped out of school and was then found guilty of three felony sexual assault, assault counts. And that should have ended with him facing a maximum of 14 years in prison. But so in recent developments, it's been over a year since this. But, the, you know, court cases are still happening. His sentencing hasn't happened yet, like 100 percent. So he was then sentenced to just six months of jail time with probation. Um, because of, again, like Tanner said, the judge was completely on his side saying that it would have a severe impact on him. And then, so he got that sentencing, and then from there, over the weekend, BuzzFeed was actually the first to publish, um, outside of a local um, Palo Alto publication, the statement by the 23-year-old female victim. And it was her impact statement that she said in court straight to the man who sexually assaulted her face to face, eye to eye. And she read this entire speech. Um, that's It's pretty lengthy. I was reading it this morning. And it was just, it's just such an emotional, so 
It's full of so many details. She included so many details, her emotions, what she was thinking, step by step what happened to her, how she realized what happened to her after reading the news and hoping that it wasn't her that she was reading about. But in fact, it was her. This traumatic experience was all her that she was reading about. And something that I definitely advise people to read just because of, I think, you know, there's a rape culture right now, like a really big, hot and heavy rape culture. Not that it didn't exist before. But it seems to be going by the people are, are, you know, passing by and getting this unjust treatment that I just don't think should be acceptable anymore. And it's increasingly happening on college campuses. The stories that we often read about, not necessarily what's actually happening, but a lot of the stuff that we're reading about is involving school athletes. And so something needs to happen. I just I don't know. I don't get how he's being let off with six months and like you said it's because of you know it's because of privilege it's because of the color of his skin it's because of him being a former swimmer who has these great swimming times and his father and his great lawyer and it's just crazy yeah things like stories like this i feel like they come up in the news and everybody's all hot on the issue and upset and then they kind of something else comes up and it kind of gets pushed back under the rug and exactly that can't continually happen over and over and over again we can't just let stuff like this happen all the time and just forget about it once the next terrible thing happens we gotta make sure we're pushing these issues and trying to make change somehow in some way and keeping keeping these issues on the forefront of everyone's minds because they are important and need to be dealt with immediately Mm -hmm, exactly and I think it's so great that the statement by her did go public I think it was really needed Mm -hmm. like you said because things do get forgotten often but when you have these words like straight from a victim it's hard to forget it Um, so the sentencing came out and then the statement by the victim came out and then further development is that Turner's father wrote this like in letter form to Judge Persky who's on the case that it was this whole rundown about how his son is already suffering because he um, experienced anxiety, he, ex- he experienced depression, he, he experienced um, a lack of appetite since he has, you know, committed, he was like, the actions, the events, it was sexual assault. Your son committed sexual assault, and that was what he was feeling. And so he said because he was feeling all of those things, he doesn't believe his son should get prison time for 20 minutes of action. He thinks his son has suffered enough and that even six months is way too much. It was just basically about like how his dad misses buying steak for him and how he used to have to hide his favorite pretzels and chips from his son because of like after swim practice. But now he doesn't want to eat anything. And it's like, dude, <laughs> like his son is the victim here, which is exactly not He's the case. Completely playing the victim card and the victim even recognized it herself. She's like, I'm sorry. Should we be like sympathizing for you and for everything that you've gone through? Like this is so tragic, you know, like you're overcoming such an such an experience. It must be so hard on you. Like that's ridiculous. Like understandably, a father, it would be upsetting for a father to see a son going through these things. But it's also like like your son should own up, like your son should take blame, take punishment for what he what he did. Well, even the even the dad should take blame for not teaching his son how to be person in this world it's crazy and because of that a lot of people 
on social media and we keep I keep talking about social media just because of it's been so hot and heavy on this subject this past week and in every article you read about the topic there's screenshots from Twitter just because of how opinionated and how angry the public is about this which goes to show like in itself how many people are talking about this but hashtags like hashtag white privilege and no mugshot are coming about um and this goes back to race issues um sexual assault in general, privilege, socioeconomic classes, sexism, and then the law, like, is it not pertaining to everybody? Like, why Why is he getting unfair treatment and how are who we, he is? Right, like, how is that supposed to, how does that even work? And what can anybody do to combat that? Like, how does that even get through? And you were talking earlier about how angry you were about seeing Turner's picture. On the, all the news articles, yeah. yeah, it's his like Stanford yearbook photo or like what his swimmer photo when he's in his blazer and his tie. When it should be his picture of him in should, jail. It should be a mugshot, yeah. yeah. Like even in the cases of the the young black men who were shot by police, we would see pictures of them in in hoodies, you know, or like these un, you know, like not flattering pictures of them not like posing for the yearbook, you know, and right with the big smile on his face. So what's happening there? You know, there's so much. Like, this is so much bigger than, like, rape and sexual assault is huge, you know? But it's even bigger than that. It goes beyond that. It goes into, like, race issues and, like we were saying, just how our society is working right now and how some people are getting unfair treatment for no reason, for no reason at all. And then, so the last development that I wanted to touch on is um, the victim responded to Turner's father's statement in that she said, if a first-time offender from an underprivileged background was accused of three felonies and displayed no accountability for his actions other than drinking, what would his sentence be? The fact that Brock was an athlete at a private university should not be seen as an entitlement to leniency, but as an opportunity to send a message that sexual assault is against the law regardless of social class. Perfectly said. Yeah, good for her. I like how the victim, she's being very public about it. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we don't know her identity or anything. But she is seeing what is happening. She talks about how he's playing victim and she has nothing to base her emotions off of just because she doesn't remember anything from that night. And she recognizes this and she recognizes how they're trying to put her in like a vulnerable position and they have and they've succeeded. And so I think her sort of leveraging the public and, you know, putting her words out there truthfully um, is an advantage to her. And so I'm really happy to see that from her side. Yeah, she's not backing down at all. She's Mm-mm. not ready to let this go. She's gonna, she's going to keep fighting. Exactly. And I'm sure it's not easy obviously, but mm-hmm. she's she seems to be really strong. And obviously we're not seeing all the sides to the story, but from what is surfacing um even on CNN this morning, um Ashley Banfield, the a host of the CNN, she spent more than half of her segment this morning just reading the statement out loud because even like you know everybody's just trying to put this out there and you know show show what's happening show how illogical unethical all of this is yeah it needs to be talked about as does all other news and in our opinion we ponder about everything you know from the entertaining to the traumatic the depressing and the uplifting um this is our last podcast show as i said and, but that doesn't mean that you should stop paying attention to the news. So hopefully um, we have inspired you through the weeks to, you know, keep up with the news, make your own opinions about things, test your own ethics and morals, and 
yeah, just take notice and continue questioning everything and everyone. Um, make Create your own ponders, you know, your own weekly yeah. ponders. <laughs> Talk about the news with your friends, with your family, on the internet. Get in conversations, engage, make people learn and listen and Maybe we can change some people's opinions and help people and hopefully make this world a better place. Totally. Well, as usual, thank you for listening. I am Nagina Firzad. You can still follow me on Twitter at Nagina Pepina. And I'm Tanner Owens, and you can follow me on Twitter at T underscore Owens 21. Thank you for listening. Thank you.